Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Amazing. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. I'm your host, Alyssa Cox, and here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. And this season, we're focusing specifically on behavior change, what it means to change behavior on your team and in your organization, and how to actually go about it. So let's let's jump right in. Alex, how do you define behavior change? So I think that behavior change is the ability, first and foremost, to really start to shift uh, things within our lives away from ways in which we were not getting the desired result or outcome that we were looking for to being able to then make those shifts in order to get those desired outcomes and objectives that we're looking for in our lives. And I definitely want to dig into desired outcomes. But first, I want to introduce you. Now, for those of you who don't know him, Alex Eccles is a coach, consultant, and speaker focusing on the intersection of emotional intelligence-based leadership, mindfulness, and wealth building to create social and economic equity throughout the country. He's the best-selling author of The Two-Week Notice, and today we're here to talk about the role of mindfulness and behavior change. So Alex, I want to go back to your definition and this idea of a shift to desired outcomes. What makes an outcome, from your perspective, desirable versus undesirable? Well, I think it really comes down to what is um, our focus in life, right? Like, I think that when we look at different desires, it's based on which parameters or which space we're talking about. You know, if we were talking about from the perspective of professional desires, then that could be both internally, but also externally. You know, if we were look at it from the perspective of weight um, or diet or something like that, we're all looking at these in like different buckets, I guess is one way that we could um, think about it. And it really comes down to that. We first have to define what's the bucket in life, whether it's professional, personal, whether it has to do with others, whether it's just 100% to do with ourselves. And then we then take the steps forward to figure out what is the desire from there. But we first have to bring the awareness and the clarity to what is it um, and which part of our life, which bucket do we actually want to create the shift in. And so what role does mindfulness play in setting those objectives and then also then creating an action plan to reach those objectives? Well, mindfulness, another term that we can use for it is practiced awareness, practice presence, you know, really just inviting ourselves to be as much as we can in the present moment all the time. Um, What this allows us to do is to be able to bring all of our focuses all of our faculties into the present moment. And then from there, we can make the decision on, okay, maybe this is something I'm interested in. Maybe this is something I'm not. When we are able to create or cultivate a sense of mindfulness, then we're able to sift and sort a lot better to figure out these are the things that I really do enjoy. These are the things that I do want more of. And these are the things that I want less of. And when we get clearer and clearer on the things that we do want more of, then we can also use mindfulness to ensure that we are aligned with our values, we're aligned with what we deem and say are the most important things to us in our lives. Um, And then it just really allows us to stay on track uh, more and more because if we're using mindfulness or awareness practices to really keep inviting ourselves into the present moment, then that's all we ever truly have. And therefore that's the only thing that we can really focus on which is at hand. 
the practice of mindfulness and what I've seen around mindfulness and what makes most sense to me, I think, is around sort of the practice of the self. And how do I talk to myself about where I am? How do I observe where I am in this moment? How do we take that practice of the self from a mindfulness perspective and start to bring others into our mindfulness practice? And I think maybe specifically, how do we think about mindfulness in terms of boundary setting? So I'd like to uh, hit the, the first question first. A good way for us to look at this is that mindfulness or awareness is really the foundation for another body of work called emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence really makes this shift from first focusing on the personal, right? Like what is my relationship with myself? What's my relationship with my preferences, my values, or the lack of clarity that I have with myself, right? And then from there, we start to shift into more of the relational. And that's what um, emotional intelligence is called the interpersonal. So really about the relationships that we have with others. We look at it from more of a professional um, angle. Then we move into the organizational as well. So where mindfulness really comes in is it always gives us the opportunity. If we're focusing on just on the personal, it gives us the opportunity to really just guide not only our actions, uh, but guide our thoughts, guide our emotions, but also being able to manage our actions as well. And that's where mindfulness really comes into play. Let's say that someone is working in more of a toxic environment or a more challenging environment, where mindfulness really comes into play is being able to not say, oh, I'm just going to put my head down. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to work harder as a result. Instead, it's saying, being able to really cultivate this space so that you can focus on the things that are going well within your, within your job or are going well within your life. And also being able to I always use this analogy like Neo from the matrix. It gives you the unique ability to be able to put your hand up and say, stop to different things that used to affect you, different things that used to really um, annoy you you now have the power for yourself because you have created and cultivated a, a sense of groundedness that is one that no one else can take away from you. And I think that that's one of the best ways to really start to create boundaries in the personal and also the professional space as well. I really believe in this understanding or this concept of teaching people how you want to be treated. Um, and I think that that is something that can 100% be taken into the workplace as well. But here's the thing, teaching others how we want to be treated can only become possible if we first learn how we truly want to treat ourselves, right? So before we want to go out there and we want to create all these boundaries and requirements for others to meet, we first have to create boundaries for ourselves. And one of those ways to really create boundaries for ourselves from the personal perspective is creating values, having this uh, like a modus operandi, right? Like how are we operating in life? And where are the confines? Where are the bounds that I like to keep myself operating within? How do I stay as balanced as I can as possible? And that's ultimately what boundaries are. Boundaries aren't a big F you to anyone or anything like that. It's really about how do I respect myself while also creating the compassion and empathy to also respect others. So how as we're thinking about change and we're thinking about boundaries in this way, do we navigate conflicting boundaries? right? We as a team, we as an organization need to move in a particular direction. And we start to encounter resistance 
whether it is straight up resistance to change or it is resistance in the form of boundaries that people are are putting up for themselves, right? How do we navigate boundaries in the context of organizational change or team change? Well, I think that that um, brings up a very ripe and very complex question because a lot of the companies that are really trying to reinvent culture and what that looks like in a way that everybody feels seen, understood, and um, really heard within their organizations. And frankly, there's a lot of organizations that have not created that as well. So I guess the question that I would like kind of throw back for both of us here is how do we create the conditions in which people don't necessarily need to have the most strictest boundaries within an organization? And I think one of the ways in which people can do that or teams can do that is it's almost like a twofold way. One, leaders these days have to recognize that it's not just about being a good manager, but it's also about how do I act as a coach? How do I act as someone that is of support to the people that are on my team? And I'm helping them to not only hit their benchmarks for the sake of our bottom line, for our company metrics and all that, but how am I also helping them to actualize and step into who they want to become more and more every day as well? And then on top of that is the actual leading as well, right? Leading via the vision, which I think is really important. Generally, there is a set of core values that the company operates by, right? Unless that is always reiterated to the actual employees, then the employees will also know how to align with those core values. So another something that I often add in, because teams are a lot more uh, micro by nature, it could be also helpful to create core values just specifically for the team. One that fosters psychological safety, providing the opportunity to everyone on the team to be able to speak up without fear that they're going to be ridiculed or fear that they're going to be talked down to by someone else on the team, even the leader, right? So I think that it's what really important to be able to define what are the clear values? What are the clear agreements that we're going to operate around as a team? and then take those steps forward from there. I think that if we were just to say what happens if values or boundaries, they clash against each other, I think it's because there's not enough clarity on what is the actual vision, not only for the team, but also for the company as well. So I like this idea of a team vision and the the need for a team vision and the need for clarity of vision to help people align their boundaries, to help them align their their values, right, to the team or to the organization. How do teams go about establishing that vision? How do teams go about aligning those values? And as a manager, sort of leading beyond management, how do I best position myself to work with and help the people on my team live into their values when their values aren't necessarily the same as mine? I have a team. Not everybody on my team shares my personal priorities. We all come from different places. What's the best orientation for me as a leader as I look to help each of the members of my team sort of self-actualize and get to, get to where they're trying to go even though we don't share the same perspectives necessarily on the right path. Yeah, for sure. So going back to what I mentioned a few a little bit ago, which is these days leaders, they it's really a non-negotiable that we step into the space of being both leader 
people manager and also coach. Um, I think that when, if, if a leader were to say um, someone else doesn't really uh, resonate with my values, therefore there may be conflict or issues or anything like that. I think once again, there's an invitation to step back, right? Because it's important that the leader also aligns and understands what's the actual company's vision or the core values. What is what do they operate along with the agreement and all of that? I think that that's first most important because it doesn't matter if a leader's values or something like that don't necessarily agree with another team member without first defining and making sure that the leader themselves, their core values are in agreement and alignment with the company's vision. And I think that this provides a bit of a Pandora's box, right? Because there are a lot of individuals who they work so that they can provide for their lives, provide for their families. There's a lot of individuals who have uh, meandered and fallen into leadership roles. I think that who I'm answering here is for those, the leaders who actually want to create and enact change, who actually want to create progression, who actually want to foster that psychological safety on their teams, ultimately who not only care about the actual company, but also care about the people that they work with as well. These are the people that I'm personally sharing and speaking to right now. If, if one is clear on what the company's vision and what that company's values are, then when it comes to hiring as well, they're going to be figuring that out pretty pretty quickly or pretty much in the hiring process. And they're going to get a sense of what are the core values? Are these people team players? Are these people adaptable? Are they resilient? This is stuff that we can really learn early in the process. So how do we as individuals then bridge our personal values to, to organizational values and team values? And I'm thinking here specifically in the context of organizational change, right? I think change can be very disruptive. People have a certain way that they've been working, a certain, a certain set of behaviors that have been working for them. And as organizations shift direction, as they broaden or narrow their missions, people can experience some dislocation associated with that and, and really identity dislocation. And so how do we balance those things? How do we help our teams in the face of that dislocation, in the face of disruptive change in the organization, recenter and move forward? I think it's uh, just going back to the overall vision statement and always saying it over and over and over again. I guess one of the ways that we can think about it is think about a legend or a map, right? The idea is that this is always going to be the destination that we want to go towards. The only thing that may sometimes come up is there may be a detour or may there may be another route or something that we need to take. But ultimately, if we as leaders are always talking about this is the vision, this is what we're going for, this is why it's important, these are the people who we're serving, right? And this is really, really important to be so um, interconnected with the vision and who you're serving as well, because then you realize that while it is about you and about your team, it's not just about you guys, it's about everyone, right? And so if we go back to the map um, metaphor, just because we go on a detour doesn't mean that if um, that we're going to fall completely off of route. But one thing that's really important as well for everyone to remember is that who we are today doesn't necessarily uh, dictate who we are tomorrow. 
And that is one of the most beautiful things about being human is that we do evolve, is that we, as I mentioned earlier, we sift and we sort, we figure out things that we do like more of and things that we don't like as much. And ultimately, it's great that we grow. It's great that, you know, sometimes we feel a little bit out of pocket because if we were to go a bit deeper here, maybe that's an invitation or an opportunity to also see what's out there. I don't remember where I read this, so I can't reference it. But at one point I read about a study where they asked people how much they thought they'd changed over the last five years. And everyone said, oh, I'm a totally different person. Everything has changed. And then they asked those same people, how much do you think you're going to change over the next five years? And almost to a person, the response was, oh, I mean, this is it now. I'm done mm. changing. I'm done growing. Uh, this is now me forever. So we seem to be able to recognize the dramatic sort of distances that we've crossed in the past, but I have a much harder time understanding and conceptualizing the ways that we might change in the future. How do we talk about the potential for the future and sort of demystify and pull anxiety out of change and, and evolution on both an individual and a team basis? I can speak from my own personal experience and what I recognize for myself is that I know I'll be changing for the rest of my life. There's also a quote that I think that a lot of people are familiar with, change is the only constant. Um, and if we were to tap back into not just mindfulness, but more of the Eastern philosophy as well, in tandem with change is the only constant is something that's called impermanence. I think that one of the things that we can take from nature is this is very concept, this knowing this, that nothing lasts forever. And that includes our identity of who we think we are today. And I think that the more that we can invite ourselves once again into the present moment, the more we can really remove our attachment. Um, sometimes I know for myself, the more that we can remove our clawing on to wanting things to be exactly the way they are, especially when the moments are really nice, when they're really pleasant, right? When we give ourselves the invitation and also the opportunity to really relax and allow ourselves to flow with life just as much as it wants to flow with us, then we also get to recognize that change is the only constant. Who I am right now at this age is not the same as who I was five years ago, thankfully, right? We give a lot of gratitude for that. But also if who I am today is someone I can be proud of, but I also want to continue to grow. I also want to continue to learn. I also want to continue to lean into my life, right? These are the people that we're talking and speaking to on today's episode. Um, then there is no doubt that you will change. And there's no doubt that impermanence and that change is the only constant is the only guarantee in your life. We've talked about the way people grow and change, about not being afraid of growth and change, even though sometimes we are, how can I encourage the right culture on my team so that people are adaptable, so that people have the opportunity to be mindful and experiment, sort of a culture on my team that encourages human flourishing in addition to organizational goal attainment? So I think that instead of looking at it from the guise of how do I encourage it? I think that it's much more of a collaborative effort that's most important first is how do I get together with my team to define it? 
we've seen this with a lot of teams throughout the years, especially with tech teams, that a lot of what we thought was the way to run companies, we thought the way to do high hierarchical business doesn't necessarily mean that it is the right way of doing it. Um, so I think that any time that a leader wants to say, hey, let's try something new or or wants to talk to other leaders who are trying other things that are new as well, bring these practices into your actual team. Oftentimes, we don't realize just how important people are to making everything work and everything happen. So when it comes to uh, really taking care of the vision, really bringing the vision to life, what's important to recognize is that the team is the most important element. The team is the most important part. And as a result, we actually have to care a lot about the team. And one of the ways to show your team that you care is to also ask for their input, ask for what their thoughts are, and not to assume just because you're the leader, coach, manager, that what you say or what you think is always the, the right way, the right approach. It's really about just, um, as I, I mentioned this word a few times throughout today's interview, fostering psychological safety so that everyone understands that they're from this diverse, from this very inclusive um, pool of people can come some of the most genius or some of the most pivotal um, and strongest ideas. Now, I know we're coming to the end of our time here together. Before we go, what is your top piece of advice for our listeners as they look to help shape behavior on their teams and with their business partners? The biggest piece of advice, if you're looking to shift or shape other people's mindsets around things, is just to make sure that you're doing your own personal work, to make sure that you can do it for yourself. Because a lot of times we think that what needs to happen is we need to get other people to act a certain way. But ultimately, we can never get anybody to do something that they don't want to do, even in the professional setting. What is very helpful is for us to first lead from within, for us to lead by example, and to be a shining example to the people that are on our teams, and also encourage other people to take this step forward or that step forward. Also really care about your team members because without them, there is no you as a leader, as a manager, as a coach. And I think that it's really important. If you talk to other leaders who are doing it well or seem to be doing it really well within an organization, ask them, what are they doing? Bring in new practices, try new things lean into what we shared earlier, which is change is the only constant. Um, lean into your evolution and lean into this desire uh, to really just care as much as you can about your team because it's ultimately you and the team that's going to bring the vision to life. Well, thank you, Alex. I know I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Now, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how should they go about doing that? Uh, they can connect to me directly on LinkedIn. Just Alex Echoes, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes, or they can reach out to me on Instagram at hey Alex Echoes. Excellent. And we will be sure to include those in the show notes. I really appreciate your time and your perspective here. Hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to their own teams. Now, if any of our listeners would like to bring these kinds of conversations to their own organizations, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com to schedule an intro call. Thanks again, Alex. Thank you.